On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. The future isn't coming in 10 years. The future is here today, and they have to act. They're going to survive. It's a demographic shift one analyst calls the super age, and it's affecting business today. The latest rural Main Street survey is out, and there are troubling signs. And in our business profile, we'll introduce you to a company that helps match employers and employees. This is the Iowa Business Report for the fourth weekend of October 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. For the first time, we will have more Americans older than age 65 than we have under age 18. That demographic shift means big changes in the workforce and in society. Bradley Sherman is author of The Super Age, Decoding Our Demographic Destiny. He was in Iowa earlier this month to deliver a presentation for Mercy Cedar Rapids. For those who are not aware, it's the first time in our history where at least one out of five people in our population will be over the age of 65. We've never experienced this before in this country, but it's happening because our birth rates are in steep decline and because our citizens are living longer lives. So in order to leverage this change in the right way, business, government, society in general really needs to think differently about its populations to get into this new era in a productive and positive way. In a normal curve, if you will, you would have the more senior population offset by the under 18 population, but we now have shifted that. Are there some societal reasons as to why that has taken place? Because again, it's not just in this country, it's not just in Europe. This is a global phenomenon that you're talking about. Yeah, everywhere except for sub-Saharan Africa, birth rates are in decline. That's pretty shocking that the whole world is going through the same realization. There are a number of things that contribute to this. First of all, people have to understand that this is a long-term trend. It parallels with our industrial revolutions, each leap forward in terms of progress, science, and social. We've seen decreases in birth rates. However, our current lived population has been blinded by the baby boom. We had this blip on the radar of 76 million births in 1946 to 1964, and all of a sudden we thought, we're going to have these big populations forever. But the past 25 years, year on year, we've had a decrease in birth rates. Gen Z is smaller than the millennial generation. Gen Alpha is actually smaller than Gen X, or at least projected to be. 2020 was our lowest birth rate as a nation on record, and 2021 was our lowest growth rate as a nation on record. Now, this is fascinating at a variety of levels from a physical care standpoint. And by that, I'm talking about health, welfare, food, etc. Are there some dynamics at work here? And I want to talk about business generally in a moment. But with regard to the health aspect, are there some components of this that are worthy of note as the population either ages or you have a smaller population in production? Yeah, I mean, I think if we're taking a look from a health perspective, one of the issues that we look at is, of course, dementia, rates of dementia, because everyone's scared of dementia. It's a frightening disease. The numbers of dementia across Iowa are going to continue to grow, but the actual rate of dementia is actually in decline. So it's all how you look at the numbers and how you approach the numbers, because if you look at overall just growth, it's very scary. 
But if you look at it as we're actually seeing positive change in terms of the percent of people that have the disease, it's not as dark the day in front of us. The big challenge that we're confronted with right now from an economic perspective is that the labor force has changed completely overnight. We can thank COVID for this. We can thank ageism for this. We can thank outdating hiring and firing practices for this. But more people retired or were fired during COVID who were older than should have. And because Generation Z is smaller, there are just fewer people to fill those slots. There aren't enough warm bodies. So when I talk about demographics, people kind of glaze over demographics. How does that affect me? Great resignation, quiet quitting, inflation. You all know these three subjects well right now. They are driven by demographics. There are too few people and workers are now demanding a different type of work environment. And that is especially important when we have this shortage of workers. It's born to some degree by the fact that the higher paid workers, typically those who had been more seasoned, they were either mustered out or said, well, I just don't need this aggravation. No one there with the skill set or the numbers of people to replace them. Is that leading to the more senior generation being much more attractive? They're incredibly (laughs) attractive to me. I mean, especially if you're trying to fill seats. Yeah. And here's the reality is that smart businesses are already catching on to this. Smart businesses know that if they don't widen their labor pool, if they don't look past 65, that quote unquote traditional age of retirement, they're not going to maintain operational efficiency. You know, if you go up to Dickinson County, where nearly one out of three people is over 65, they're struggling with this because they don't have enough young bodies to fill the jobs that are there. So that means people are working past traditional retirement age already. And if you dig into the numbers, the jobs report from last week, you'll see that the vast majority of jobs creation were people over the age of 45. So businesses are catching on to this right now, slowly but surely. But we're unwinding nearly a century of bias against older people in the workplace. We've had Social Security for almost a century, right? Mm -hmm. That was part of the, the New Deal era of the 1930s. And that set at one point or another, a retirement age of 65 for Social Security. And for a variety of reasons, I would suggest longevity, fiscal solvency or insolvency of that system, the age is kind of shifted. You know, I mean, when I started to work, 65 was full benefits. Now it's 70, 72, et cetera. That takes a while, though, for mindset to catch up, doesn't it? Because so many of us grew up with the idea of you retire at 65, never mind whether you want to stay working or not. But Everything has shifted to 70 or older. Yeah. You know, culture change takes a while to turn around. And believe it or not, when Social Security was first put into action in the 1930s, it was almost completely rejected by older workers. They didn't want it. They didn't want it. It took 30 years for it really to take on as a new part of life. Retirement didn't really start taking on until there were so many younger workers entering the American workplace in the 1960s that it just seemed ideal to walk away. healthy benefit from the pension, social security, healthy benefit from your employer, likely robust savings because people in the 1950s and early 1960s made more on average per household than they do today. All these things contributed to a retirement reality for 30 years or so in which people could actually leave work and actually go into a comfortable retirement. That couple walking down the beach hand in hand or hitting the links every day. We're starting to reject that because we know that it's not good for us. When we leave work, we start to see immediate declines in our health, our mental, our physical, our cognitive abilities. It puts us in a position of real financial vulnerability because nobody can predict how long they're going to live. We can guess, 
but nobody can really predict that. So I'm a 45-year-old man. When I was born, my life expectancy was around 70, 72. But because I've made it to 45, my life expectancy is now close to 80. So it's a constantly moving target. And if you're trying to wrap your head around this, you're probably going to live a lot longer than you think. And that's a fascinating statistic because, again, when you look at total actuarial tables, that includes those who die very young. And so, again, once you get to this point, as you say 45, well, now, as compared with others of a similar age, you've got a much longer life expectancy. That's fascinating. And, and again, the folks who were around when Social Security started, they couldn't conceive of getting paid to not work. And so by virtue of that shifting, we lost a lot of self-worth, value in the concept of work no longer is thought of in the same way. And so as as you talk to people, especially those in business about this topic, all right, where do we go now moving into, well, we're now into what, the the third uh, decade of this century? Yeah, so in the super age, the book, as well as in my consulting practice, we work with employers to think differently about recruitment practices. We think recruitment actually should be secondary to retention because there are simply fewer workers to go around. Older workers, people who've been in the workforce for 30, even 40 years, think differently about work. They know it's central to who they are. They're purpose-driven. They want to be part of something bigger than them, but they may not necessarily want to be there full time. They may have needs that a 40-hour work week or 50 or 60 or 70-hour work week (laughs) cannot sustain. They may have to take care of their spouse. They may have caregiving responsibilities for their kids or their grandkids. We don't know that. But for businesses to really get the most out of this new period, they have to approach their employees and say, what can we do to help? How can we be there for you? Outside of the normal pension savings, 401k, health care plan, how can we have your back so you have ours? So you go and talk to a business and you say these things. Do you get the arms folded across the chest like they're not buying it? Or, or are they realizing that you're basically distilling something that they probably either know or should have known? They know it. They know it. They know it. They know it. <laughs> but they've had a hard time spelling it out, verbalizing it, really being able to articulate what this change means to them. The second they hear old people, they tend to turn off. But the second you start talking about profitability, operational success, the second you start talking about their own life and what they're encountering with their own challenges with their parents or their grandparents, their grandkids, all of a sudden they start to realize that the future isn't coming in 10 years. The future is here today, and they have to act if they're going to survive. Bradley Sherman, author of The Super Age, Decoding Our Demographic Destiny, online at thesuperage.com. We connected via Zoom while he was in our state on Wednesday, October 12th. Still to come, sliding rural economic numbers, and we'll tell you more about the changing workforce dynamic from an employment recruiter's perspective. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Secretary of State wants you to get voter ready. The first step is registering to vote. You can do this online, through the mail, or at the polls on Election Day. Second, choose if you want to vote absentee or at the polls. You must request a mailed absentee ballot by 5 p.m. October 24th. Get more information and download your absentee ballot request form at voterready.iowa.gov. Tuesday, November 8th is Election Day. 
Polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Remember to bring your ID. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. The October Creighton University Rural Main Street Index was released this past Thursday, and the overall number fell for the sixth time in the past seven months, dropping below growth neutral for a fifth consecutive month. Dr. Ernie Goss of Creighton oversees the survey of bank CEOs in rural areas of Iowa and nine other states. Farm equipment sales dropped for the second time in three months. The Economic Confidence Index slipped to its lowest level since May 2020, the early days of the pandemic. On average, bank CEOs expect Christmas and holiday buying this year to expand by less than 1% from a year ago. Three of four bankers surveyed said they expect a recession to begin in 2023, but one out of four thinks their local economy is already there. Coming up, matchmaking at the workplace. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. With the return of college football, don't miss the cover story in the September-October issue of Iowa History Journal about gridiron legends Jack Trice and Duke Slater. Also, read how tent shows reign supreme, how a Waterloo business helped make donuts popular, and how an Iowan walked across the state and earned a seat in the Senate. Get your copy of Iowa History Journal at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Hy-Vee, Fairway, and iowahistoryjournal.com. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. In our business profile, meet Amanda Zorni, an account executive at the Palmer Group office in Cedar Rapids. The employee-owned company has some 80 staffing professionals. Palmer Group, we are a full-service employment firm, so workforce is our world for sure. We run the gamut. We work in a lot of different industries, a lot of different types of roles, everything from those contract temp positions up through, you know, executive level permanent roles. We're trying to help make sure that our local businesses here in our community have the workforce that they need, have the right people there in place to be successful, and also help those community members that are looking for that fit. And so really, we're kind of matchmakers, but in in the workforce world. So as a recruiter, that suggests to me that you're doing a variety of different things. Sometimes it's on behalf of an individual who might contact you. Sometimes it might be on behalf of a business. So how does the process lay out in a, if there is such a thing as a normal or average situation? Actually, I am usually on the side of it where I'm talking to the businesses and trying to figure out their needs. So I'm actually a account executive, which is handling you know the accounts that way. But we're really busy because we're just in kind of a crazy time in this world. And so we're all kind of jumping in and helping out everywhere. So I do spend a chunk of my day talking to candidates as well. But I have a team of recruiters that are doing that all the time. 
And it's everything from people reaching out to us saying, can you please help me find something that's a good fit to us finding people through a lot of different avenues, right? Personal networks, LinkedIn, a lot of other, you know, different resources that are out there for identifying those candidates. But a typical day is a lot of conversation, which is great, right? Like it's really, really learning about both sides. We're learning really about the companies, their culture, their needs, what really makes something a good fit, and the same for the candidates. What do you actually need? What do you really value and what are you really looking for in your next position and trying to help make those things align? So we hear sometimes the phrase headhunter. Is that an old term for this sort of thing? In other words, if you were going down LinkedIn and did some search terms and find someone with a certain skill set, will you just make the overture potentially? For sure. So that is, I mean, definitely a term that is used for some of the work that we do. Like I said, we kind of work in a lot of different realms. And so, but definitely a percentage of the work that we're doing, I would say, is exactly what you think of when you think of that term headhunter, right? Like we are, we're out there, our companies say, I really need someone who's strong in these areas that it's going to fit in this way. And then we're like, let's go see if we can find them. With regard to the employees, my impression is that They're the ones with the leverage these days. Am I overstating that? There's a lot that's in their court, yeah. that That is true. I think we're really at an interesting point with it, though, because candidates know that they have a little bit of control, which is good, right? Like, they're really empowered. But they go in with expectations, and not every business, as a matter of fact, a lot of companies are not actually positioned to give them everything they want. Budgets are budgets. You know, there, there are some constraints that that are making it sometimes difficult to make all of that align. And so, you know, we're finding that there's enough available jobs that candidates can hold out for those opportunities that are going to align. Salary, working fully from home is a big one. That's probably the number one thing that we hear candidates saying they're, they're looking for. And a lot of companies are trying to get people back into the office. And so I'm not sure how that's going to play out long term, but I feel like something's got to shift on both sides probably to get us a little bit closer to kind of meeting in the middle there. Well, that has been my impression is that in the quote unquote old days, the employer said, well, your job satisfaction comes on Friday because I just handed you a paycheck. And we are so far from that now to the point that again, those who are seeking jobs, either they're not employed currently or they're trying to leverage a different position, they realize the numbers game. And so they are not shy. And I'm not talking about making horrible demands, but they're not shy about holding out for the right situation. Yes, I think that's absolutely true. And I always tell people that if something's really important to you, you should hold out for the right situation. Because the other challenge we see is people starting in positions that they don't last very long, because they really are starting the position while they're looking for that thing that does meet what they what they really want. We talk a lot with candidates about really knowing what they do value and what their top priorities are and what are the things that are, you know, this is a deal breaker, this is what I absolutely need. What are the things that are like, this would be nice? And what are the things that probably don't matter as much? So you can find the thing that is the right fit, but I think that you should hold out for, for the job that's going to make you happy. You're going to be happier And the company's going to benefit from that, too. You're going to stay. You're going to be content. You're going to be a better employee overall. And I think you said a moment ago the top thing at the moment, generally speaking, is what I'll just call broadly flexibility. Maybe it's working totally from home, but at least it's something different than punching a clock, showing up at an office, here's your 40 hours, and on you go. It's a very different climate, is it not? 
Yes, for sure. So I think, you know, the two things, of course, that candidates usually tell us are most important to them, salary, right? We all kind of have our number that we know we have to to be at or would like to be at or makes it worth the move. And then that either, you know, some people want fully work from home. That one's a little more challenging. A lot of our companies that we work with will do that hybrid schedule. They understand flexibility. We all learned a lot about that importance of being able to, to be flexible, be there for your families or whatever those other things are in your world that are important. Important and, and should be important to you. Those are the things that we are seeing in most cases. Everyone's an individual, everyone's unique, but in most cases, those are the things we're seeing as being the top priorities. It's not just a matter, I suppose, of recruiting. It's also a matter of retaining people. And so that's a big part of all of this development, if you will. Yes, for sure. Even on the initial recruitment piece, it's relationships, right? So it's all about really getting to know people on both sides. Again, you know, the, the companies we're working with and the candidates that we're working with and and really understanding them and uh, building those relationships. But retention is huge. We all know the cost of turnover, right? And and it's beyond what we think of as just the cost of bringing someone new in and, you know, finding that new person, bringing them in, getting them speed. It's also a lot of other things are impacted when we have the turnover. So we do see the need um, and a lot of efforts being made from companies to not just get people in the door and into positions, but then how do you support them once they're there? How do you make sure that they are set up for success? Because their success is the whole company's success, right? And so a lot of the focus is really on that. There's candidates out there you can find them, but how do you get them and how do you keep them, right? So yeah, it's a big piece of it for sure. I spoke with Amanda Zorni of the Palmer Group in Cedar Rapids on Tuesday, October 18th, a conversation facilitated by the Cedar Rapids Metro Economic Alliance. More online at thepalmergroup.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small and medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.